But this is going to be the coolest podcast of all time, I think. It's it's okay. And now, we're back. All right, all of this should be the intro. We should. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome. Thanks. Okay, let's, uh, before we do it. We're going to pray? <laughs> no. Jeez. Well, we can if you want. We're not, we're not against praying. I'm for prayer. Uh, okay. Welcome. We're hopping right in. Yeah. Right. Like in the words of Jack Johnson. Touring this whole thing upside down. Don't know who Jack Johnson is. All right, let's do an episode. Oh we'll That's talk, making. We'll it. talk about that later. That's making. Am I gonna get flamed for that? For not knowing who Jack Johnson is? That sounds like a name you just made up just now. <laughs> oh it does. It does. All right. You don't have to clap. All right. All right, welcome to Continued Conversations. I'm sitting with our host, Drew. My name's Ben. I have the honor of pastoring Collectivist Church. Drew, first one. Here we yeah, are. first episode. Let's go. Excited. Let's go. We got some questions. Excited, we, we do. So, so yeah. this week, James chapter two. James chapter two. Building on from Ben Birdsong's awesome message on James chapter yep. one. Um, we got some questions for you. James chapter two, chapter two um, very well known by practicing Christians. Sure, yeah. Um, a lot about faith, a lot about work. Right. Those are going to be centered around uh, these questions. We're going to hop right in. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. How does faith impact decision-making and choices in everyday life? How does faith impact decision-making and choices in everyday life? Well, I mean, that is what James chapter 2 is about. Yeah. James chapter 2 is saying it should impact how you operate in your life, right? And James chapter 2 really is saying if your faith doesn't impact your choices— your actions and how you live, do you actually have faith? Um, I gave this background a little bit on Sunday, but James is speaking to Jewish believers, and they had begun to replace the word faith with the concept of belief. And we see that in our culture today. We see that within Christianity today. Um, And so James was pushing a big challenge of saying, listen, 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 Uh, the belief side is wonderful. It is important. It is possibly one of the, the most important process of this as the Jewish people right. receiving Christ as the Messiah, yeah. right? Belief, right? That repentance, metanoia, changing your mind, you're willing to believe. But if that belief in Christ doesn't result in action, then was it faith? And that, mm. that's really the entire question. So how should it shape it? It should shape it. Um, I would think that belief in Jesus makes you right, but um, righteousness only comes from acting like Christ acted. Jesus, um, Jesus died so that we could experience life eternal, but he lived to show us how to live here on earth as well. Um, the joke we say at Collectivist is God is not wanting you to be saved and then just make it to heaven, right? Uh, right? Like if right. so, then would, you know, when we baptize people, we would, would hope that Jesus takes them then, right? Like yeah. sitting, but instead, yeah. no, we have a life to live and that life should resemble our saved life, right? And right. so um, in the words of Paul, we are free from the demands and expectations of everyone, but with this life we have, we're going to use it to become a servant to any and all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. You ready for the next one? Let's go to number two. All right. Number two. It's more on an evangelical side. 
Um, how can you I? You said evangelical, like evil, for some reason. You said no, evil. No, 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 I did not say that. Was like Drew that was Drew Mercer. Zoom that? in. Camera zoom in. It turns red. Right. Yeah. Evil. Evangelical. Well, that kind of podcast. I don't think we're going to have that kind of editing features. It should be. Yeah. Well, go ahead. All right. Question number two. How can I share my faith with others in a respectful and effective way? So this is a good question. I actually spoke at a mission summit a couple of weeks ago, and um, I had mentioned how when we were in the country of Bulgaria, we're in a village called Terditsa, and in Terditsa, um, it's mainly former Muslims that now believe in Christ as the Messiah, born-again Christians mm-hmm. um, in a large church because of this, and we had an opportunity to baptize some of them. And we had a question during our Q&A there, like, how did we approach that? And the only reason I want to give that approach is I've learned that um, when dealing with other people, especially those who are very passionate about their current beliefs, so whether that means you are practicing another religion or you're not practicing a religion, most of us are fairly passionate about our beliefs. Does that make sense? Right. And so um, the first thing, again, going back to Paul, um, Paul understood being able to understand things from people's points of view without allowing those things to influence us, but instead being influential to them. So Mm -hmm. let me give you a background. Yeah. Let me me, me fast forward. When we speak to the Muslim faith, I learned this from uh, a guy named Buddy Hoffman who helped start a thing called Jesus and the Quran. And uh, he talks about how Christians are always trying to bring Muslims to the Christian table and Muslims are always trying to bring Christians to the Muslim table. But instead, we should go to a different table. And that table for Buddy when reaching the Muslim faith is the kingdom of God. So Mm -hmm. he would go to the Muslim faith and say, hey, do you believe and love the kingdom of God. And they're like, right. we do. And then yeah. he would say, well, so do I. Yeah. So now they started with something in common and they could unravel the gospel and learn their differences, misunderstandings yeah. and things like that. Um, so I would say first and foremost, um, uh, instead of shouting at each other, let's find a, a, a neutral space that we can agree and let's yeah. start it where we agree. Um, and then secondly is meeting people um, where they are. If you're, if, if you're not going to go to a neutral space, instead of trying to bring people to you, go to where they are experience life the way that they experienced it. And it doesn't have to change your faith, if that makes sense. And so um, that's number one. Number two, there is a, or it might be two, I don't know. There is a balance between um, urgency and relational ministry. Um, many of us think we have to go out tomorrow and save everybody because we could die tomorrow. And that is very true, right. 100% true. I love that. I, I agree with that. I think there should be an urgency to the gospel as long as we believe in the reality of Christ and life eternal and things like that. But at the same time, um, relational ministry is so important. Like I get my hair cut, um, well, not now, but at one point I got my hair cut by the same person all the time and they didn't do a very good job at it. Right. And the reason I did get this haircut um, from this person is because I was trying to build a relationship with them because I knew they didn't know Christ mm. and I wanted to have that opportunity. And I did right. two and a half years later, uh, something like 24 bad haircuts, right? Like, she mm-hmm. came to know Christ, which was really, That's really awesome. amazing. Yeah. Question number three. All right. I'm excited. This is the one we, uh, we talked about a lot at lunch today. Okay. Um, how does James' teaching on works challenge our understandings of salvation by grace alone? That's a great question. So um, it is challenging, as in when you come into something with the current mindset and you hear something that seems to be, seems to be in opposition of it, um, it does challenge us. Number one, challenge is good. Challenge is how we right. grow. Challenge um, is how we 
um, move from where we currently are to where we're going to be next. And James is challenging people who were already a part of the early church who had come to this understanding of salvation by grace through faith, right? What, but we're asking the wrong question. Um, James is not saying salvation is by works alone, right? Um, what he's saying is, he goes, is saying that your salvation comes by grace through faith, but he's redefining faith. Faith uh, the people he's speaking to, the Jewish uh, believers at the time, had begun again to use the word belief in the place of faith. And so they, he's saying that salvation comes through grace by belief, and your belief in Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, should result in works. And if your belief is not accompanied by works, then you have to begin to ask yourself, do I truly believe in Jesus? Because mm. if so, it would change how I respond. And I think we all need to come to that point. The example I give often is that of a tree, a tree that you plant, a tree that is labeled an apple tree, a tree that you bought from a reputable source that says apple tree and you plant it and a season comes and goes and no apples are produced and another season comes and goes and, no, and apples aren't produced. We can do that for a little while, but eventually there has to be an evaluation of, okay, this tree that is called an apple tree because of the fruit it bears, which is apples, is not bearing apples. So is it actually an apple tree? And we do have to evaluate. And this is not for people to question their salvation. I'm not trying to question that. I think that there will be an evaluation between you and the Holy Spirit that will be asked something like this. If I call myself a Christian, a follower of Christ, but I don't begin to exude, show, and reveal mm -hmm. the attributes of Christ, then am I actually someone who believes in Christ? Right. Um, and so salvation is by grace through faith alone, but he's redefining what is faith and belief makes you right with God. But the idea of moving into not just rightness, but righteousness will come through faith with works, which actually is faith. Yeah. Makes sense? Okay. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong. James isn't saying go on a mission trip or else you're not saved. Mm -hmm. James is saying, is this thing you believe really leading you into a better way of living and being with one another? I would say yes and no. I would say James is not saying go on a mission trip, you'll be saved. But I think James is saying if you are saved, you're going to have a real hard time not going on mission trips. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're saved, been redeemed, uh, the psalmist says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Like tell the world that you've been rescued. Tell the world that you've been, you know, uh, loved and rescued and covered by the blood of Jesus. Like the redeemed of the Lord will do those things, right? And so he is not saying you have to go on a mission trip to be saved, but he is saying if you know Jesus, you're going to struggle and have to fight not to do things on mission. Right, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Last one. Last one? Last one. First episode, last question. Mm. Here we go. How do I reconcile my faith with the existence of evil and suffering in the world? You know, That's softball, it. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, because it is, this is not a God issue. It's a sibling issue. It's not a father issue. It's a sibling issue. Evil exists in this world because of 
sin that fractured our world, and Jesus came to redeem the world, to redeem all things back to God's initial intent. And God's initial intent, if we're starting from Jesus and working ourselves back to the garden, will first land on believers. And so the reason for the evil in this world and for hardships that fall on different people um, often isn't a question of if God is good. It's a question of are we good sons and daughters? Not good sons and daughters, sorry. Not a question of if we're good sons and daughters. It's are we good brothers and sisters? And so we have light that shines in dark places, but Jesus has called us to be light bearers. So um, there is very few problems in this world that if believers would actually unify together, take up their calling as believers, there's very few things in this world we can't solve. Right. Whether it be hunger issues, whether it be water issues, um, whether it be evil in this world, um, we have enough people who call themselves by the name Christian that have the redeeming power and grace of Jesus Christ, that it gives them the ministry of reconciliation, that we have the money, the resources to change this world, we have chosen not to. Mm. Some of you have chosen to, and that's great. But again, let's go back to James. James says, faith without works is dead. So why do we see death in this world? Probably because we see a lot of faith Mm. without works. Wow, yeah. Probably because we have a lot of people who believe in Jesus but aren't living like Jesus. I would say that's the problem. I would say many of us want to cheer for the starters in the Christian game. We're cheering for our favorite pastors, tearing down our least favorite pastors. We're doing all these things instead of realizing you are in this race, running with perseverance, um, the same way that Jesus perfected our faith. We should live that faith out as well. Faith without works is dead. So why do we experience death in this world and still have a good God? Well, probably because we have a lot of belief without works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we're sort of hinting at that, um, this question that arose uh, a couple weeks ago when Ben Birdsong Mm -hmm. um, was talking um, about not being stained by the world. And that kind of leads us into what do you think about, you know, we're supposed to be in the world to win the world. How do we we say, yeah, how do, how do we do that and not fall into the evil and misery and, and staining of the world? So how do we, how do we, how do we go in our faith in action into the world, but remain unstained, right. remain pure, holy, righteous, those types of things. Yeah. Um, first, you kind of said it, right? We got to know our intent, right? We say at Collective Church, we're in the world to win the world. Jesus says in John 17, I am sending them into the world just as you, God, have sent me into the world. He sent the disciples. He's sending believers. Our place is not to be outside of the world. It is to be in the world, but not of the world. So how do we not become of the world? Well, number one, I would have my focus of I'm in the world to win the world. Uh, Paul says that I have become a servant to any and all in order to win a few. He says, I keep my bearings in Christ, but still learn to experience things from their point of view. That is exactly what we're trying to do, is we can learn to sympathize, love, find compassion for others while keeping our bearings in Christ. The best example I can give you of this was a buddy of mine. Years and years and years ago, I was in high school. We went to the beach together, and... um, we were staying on the second floor of a balcony and he thought he would like Ninja Warrior this thing. So he climbed up the outside of the balconies and I'm sitting on the balcony like drinking coffee or something. Right. And he gets tired and he's within reach and he asked me to give him my hand 
and like to help him up over the balcony. And I was like, bro, I ain't doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing right. it. And finally I was like, he's like, I'm going to fall if you don't. I'm like, okay. And so we're in the Gulf. So it's beautiful white sand underneath this. I reached my hand over, but I'm not strong enough. Or maybe he's too big. I don't know, whatever. And I can't pull him up. And so I'm like, bud, you're going to have to walk down and walk back around. And he goes, well, no, like get out of your chair and get closer. So I got out of my chair. I got closer to the rail and I still couldn't get enough leverage. And he said to me, he's like, you just need more leverage. If you'll put one foot over the rail, you can pull me up, which was the stupidest decision in my life. I put one foot over the rail and instantly we both tumbled down two stories into (laughs) the sand, right? Um, The mistake wasn't trying to reach him. The mistake wasn't trying to pull him up. The mistake was crossing over a guardrail that I'd put in place Mm. that would have kept me safe and not in harm as well. And we need those in our life. We need those in our life. And they're different for everybody, right? Like uh, I think about power outlets. When my kids came home from uh, when we adopted them, we had to put little covers over each of our power outlets because children's fingers like to stick into power outlets and they like to get shocked by that. And it's not good for their health if you didn't know this, right? Oh, okay. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But power outlets aren't bad things even. Right. So some of you, I'm telling you, your, your, your safety needs to be put in places that other people don't need it. Does that make sense? Right. right. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. Some of you need to stay away from certain things because it's a guardrail, which is what Andy Stan would call a guardrail, uh, in your life that is protecting you from what's on the other side of that. So we all need those. Some of you, you know how not to stick your fingers in light sockets, so you don't need those protectors, right? Um, and um, But you, do, you will need it somewhere else. Um, I had a friend growing up. His name was Jerry Burt. Uh, he was like a youth worker when I was a youth kid before the internet was a huge thing. And he, um, went, I went by his house one day, we're going to do some like street evangelism. He had to pick something up. And I realized he didn't have a TV. And I was like, Jerry, why don't you have a TV? And he's like, well, TV's just not good for me. Hmm. And I remember thinking like, well, should I get rid of my TV? I even asked him like, dude, should I get rid of my TV? <laughs> yeah. and he's like, no, TV's not bad. He's like, it's not good for me. Right. So I got rid of a TV because he cared so much about his faith and about the works of his life as well. And he wanted to stay so unstained in this world that he removed his TV, mm. but it wasn't that I needed to remove my TV. Right. And so a lot of preachers, a lot of pastors, a lot of churches want to tell you probably what you, they'll give you all these things, calling them, you know, biblical. And it's not that, it, and it might be for some, but for others, it might not be. Now there's sin. We see sin as sin, but guardrails or safety precautions that we put in place aren't to stop you from the bad thing. It's actually put in front of what could be dangerous on the other side. So when you're in the world, stay grounded in your faith. The way I say do it, be in biblical community, um, uh, be in the word of God, have a direct mission while in the world so you're not wandering around in the world, but you're on mission while in the world. Um, And those things are going to keep you, what Paul would say, grounded in your faith. Being grounded in your faith makes you influential instead of being influenced. And I think that's, I think um, the enemy if he can't be, if he can't influence you with negativity, he's going to convince you that you are easily influenced. So you shouldn't go in the world and be influential. Mm. I think you should go in the world and be influential. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's all of them. Super cool. Yeah, that's all the. That's an episode. An episode. Episode, that's an episode. One. episode one. How are you feeling? You don't have to clap. Okay. <laughs>